Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Dave Somerville. Hello, Dave. Hello. And we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Andrew McCaskill, Dolphins fan. Hi, guys. Hope you're all well. Very well indeed. Andrew, how are you doing? Not too bad at all. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's that kind of period in the in the NFL year where it's quite quiet. So I'm kind of bouncing off the walls a bit, waiting for something to happen. But yeah, <laughs> all good. We all are. We all are this time of year. Uh, right, so I suppose we should start, uh, Andrew. You tell us a little bit about yourself. More to the fact, why do you support the Miami Dolphins? That's what everybody wants to know. So um, yeah. take it away, mate. Why are you a Dolphins fan? Yeah, it's... it's no, kind of, it, it's a bit of an odd one. It's I kind of started getting into the NFL around the turn of the millennium and just watched a Super Bowl here and a Super Bowl there. And then 2001, 2002, somewhere around there, I saw this incredible running back with Dreadlocks, Ricky Williams, who just ran over the league that year. And that was it. I just, I love this guy. This is my guy, Dolphins fan. And for all my sins, that's been me now for 20 plus years. It's not been a successful twenty years, but it's been twenty years. Quite right, quite right. There you go. That's it. Yeah. That's how you do it, uh, Dave. We all know why you support started supporting the Rams, of course. Kurt Warner yeah, and the uh, best. Yeah. Uh, no, but okay. <laughs> Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, etc., etc. Uh-huh. For me, it was John Elway. Uh, I was actually Andrew when when we first started doing this podcast uh, over a year ago now. Good grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think in our very first episode, we, we were talking about how we started supporting the teams. And I was actually torn between the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos because of Dan Marino and John Elway. Uh, but my elder brother supported the Broncos, so I supported the Broncos. That's the way it works, or at least that's the way yeah. it did work back then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you're a Dolphins fan, 20-odd years. Ricky Williams, the man who yeah. sort of got you got you into it so who's been mm-hmm. your uh, other than Ricky Williams obviously who's been your favourite uh, Dolphins players that you've seen since you've been oh. watching watching the game can you do you have a top three or top five oh yeah yeah I mean one Ricky Williams uh, Zach Thomas I'm so glad he got into the Hall of Fame mm. uh, I'm honestly he's just phenomenal absolutely love him uh, who's been a third big Cam Wake fan you know a lot of sacks over the past decade or mm. so Jason Taylor was brutal as well, but Jason Taylor went to the Jets for a year, and that just irks me. It just does. <laughs> I know nobody else wanted him, but still, it just irked me. Oh, he did yeah. finish up with the Dolphins. But, oh. uh, there's not been there's not been a whole lot of phenomenal players for the Dolphins over the past twenty years. We've not had a quarterback since Marino, so it's it's it, you know you kind of try to find a player here, a player there. You don't mind. <laughs> Uh, that's very true. Actually, I think we did a random stat a few weeks ago that Dan Marino was the last Pro Bowl quarterback the Dolphins have yeah. had in 1995. So, hey, you never yeah. know. If Tua stays healthy for a full year, maybe he gets into a Pro Bowl and, and just I breaks that. Made one, I think he should have made one 2022, but there we go. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think if he'd stayed healthy, he would have done. Uh-huh. I mean, he was tearing it up. Tearing it up, mm. and just those those awful concussions that he had certainly didn't help him at all. But mm. we can't spend all the entire episode reminiscing about uh, about our, our teams, although we'd love to. One of these days, we could maybe do that. Dave. We could just just have a full podcast, get some people on, just 
waxing lyrical about the teams probably last about four hours so we maybe yeah. won't do that but what we will do is going to jump straight into the news uh dave you can start us off what has been happening around the nfl this week well just to kick things off we'll um carry on from where we were last week with the davin cook situation because it, it sounds like it was primarily contract based um because he was offered around i think it was five million dollar mark uh, a year um, whereas he's wanting at least double that, which in the market, um, you know, presently, uh, Saquon Barkley, his franchise tag is around nine million this year. So for Darwin Cook to be demanding pretty much the top, well, uh, right up there is one of the top salaries. From his record, he, he's justified in asking for that, but the Vikings just aren't prepared to go there. So it ended up with with him being released, um, and. Just they're getting absolutely nothing from which we said last week. It's just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Not not even a Mister Relevant pick, and you know it's. I, th- I think it's it's. I, th- I said it last week as well. It's really disrespectful. Uh, I think the Vikings have disrespected Davin Cook a lot, um, but I also think that this is a sign that the Vikings are now in rebuild mode. To me, I think this could be Kirk Cousins last season. Um, I think that the Vikings are preparing for maybe a 2024 push instead because if you're getting rid of your main man aside from Justin Jefferson and the entire team, that's a big a big sign of rebuild. Yeah, it is. And, and of course, they traded Adam Thielen to the Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers as well. So the number two receiver has been traded and they just cut their three straight year Pro Bowl running back and as you say, they didn't get a thing for him. Andrew, I want to get your viewpoint on this because Dave and I, it's, it seems like I've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks, past few weeks. The running back market has gone crazy. Um, I think it all, it really kicked off last year when Austin Eckler led the league in touchdowns and then he puts out a, I think it was a tweet or maybe an Instagram post where he's saying, um, you know, I, I just want paid what I'm worth. But it looks like nobody's valuing running backs at all. Ezekiel Elliott's a free agent. Dalvin Cook's a free agent. Kareem Hunt's a free agent. And, or, or, you know, if this happens... not far off. Yeah, Saquon, even Saquon Barkley. He's franchise tagged, so he's they're in discussions, but nothing's been yeah, put forward. He's, he's so. not signed his franchise tag. You're absolutely right. Josh Jacobs as well. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Josh Jacobs. I mean, yeah. five years ago, if any of these guys had come up on free agency, they would have been snapped up the next day. The next day. Um, it's, it's crazy. Andrew, I want to get your opinion on this. What do you make of this? I, I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. It's one of those, the, the market is just, as you said, it's just fallen away. The, the league has just switched into an entirely next man up mentality. You might not be Davin Cook, but Madison will do. You know, you might not be Saquon, the other backers for the Giants will do. And it's just, hold on a second, these guys are good. They're good, but I actually think Davin Cook is maybe my favourite running back in the league. I genuinely think he's that good. But I know he's not getting paid £10 million because they're just not going to pay that money. And just, that's fine. Madison will be cheaper. We'll go with that and we'll just see what Cook can do. Now, they've got Jefferson coming up. They're obviously going to want to pay Jefferson big money. They've already got big money in Cousins. So they're looking to find, you know, they can find somebody who can do half the job Cook can do. They think, oh, that'll be enough. It was, uh, I saw, I think it was Mike Florio said, if you are a youngster right now watching football and you're interested in getting to the NFL, don't become a running back. Your shelf life is five years. You have five years to make your money and then the NFL is going to dump you. 
Very true, very true. I mean, you know, you're mentioning some of these players there again that we've already spoken about. You're talking about Josh Jacobs with the franchise tag and Saquon. Saquon has mentioned he's not ruling out sitting out this year unless he gets paid. Now, we've seen this before. Yeah. Now, most famously, I think it happened over in Pittsburgh um, where this player, his name I've just forgotten. Is it Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell. Bell yeah. Sat out the entire year and said, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to play. And then James Conner came in and performed better than Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell yeah. goes to New York Jets and looks awful, just terrible, and he's out of the league two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, personally, I think, yeah, I think Saquon is uh, a better back than Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think he can do more with less. Le'Veon Bell clearly was a, a product of the system they were running in Pittsburgh and a strong offensive line, much like we spoke about with Zeke Elliott, a victim of his own success. But I think Saquon, if, if they don't sign him, if they don't sign Saquon, if the Raiders don't sign Josh Jacobs, and if a team doesn't pick up Dalvin Cook, the, honestly, could you really see these three being free agents not being on a team? It, it it makes no sense to me when we've seen, especially in the last couple of years, the amount of injuries the players have had. And look what Cleveland did when they had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They had a dynamite running game because they had two good backs. Now, Kareem Hunt's gone. He's a free agent. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll see a repeat of that in Cleveland this year. I still think Nick Chubb's one of the best backs in the league, but I don't think he's going to be as effective because... When he comes off, and because they've got to keep him fresh, you can't be giving him 600 carries a, a season. That's insanity. Um, got to try and keep him fresh, put in the backup, and then if the backup's not playing up to snuff, you've got problems. Last year, Javonte Williams for the Broncos. Bang, he's out injured. Nothing. Until Latavius Murray got signed mid-season, they had no running game whatsoever to speak of. So I think... But then... Flip side of that, teams aren't going to pay ten million for a backup running back. They're not even paying it for their starting running backs. So, uh, Dave, I'll put it back to you. <laughs> Has your mind changed at all in this scenario? Nope. Um, I, I think um, with Dalvin Cook in particular, um, I think he is going to have to lower that ten, twelve mil a year demand. It's it's just not feasible whatsoever. Um, I remember when you were saying with um, Kareem Hunt when he left the Chiefs originally, now he was looking for a nine million a year deal, um, and he ended up not getting that, and then playing second fiddle to Nick Chubb for a couple of years, um, and now there's a very good chance that he might even be done in the league. I, I don't think he's done, but he's on the way out as far as like uh, the priority list of teams that are looking at him uh, of his potential destinations because at this moment I can't see anyone but with the players available I can't see anyone going oh yeah I really want Kareem Hunt in like present no, Kareem Hunt I don't there's think not, anyone's going to not yeah, no you wouldn't choose Hunt um, over Dalvin Cook you just wouldn't no, nobody would not even no not even close unless, but, unless you, you really know, don't like Dalvin Cook maybe a personal vendetta against the man that's the only way that would ever happen uh, and even then as you said you know some folk might take Ezekiel Elliott over Kareem Hunt I mean they might do that available yeah <laughs> so Dave there has been other news going on here uh, especially including a particular wide receiver 
uh, over in well, Buffalo. So what can exactly. you tell us about that? Well, we said last week that the Bills have been busy. Uh, and again, they've just carried on being busy. However, for the wrong reasons this time, because Stefan Diggs is in a bit of, um, shall we say, a situation. Because at the moment, Stefan Diggs uh He's, he's, he's in a bit of a contract dispute at the moment. Now, the, the current situation with Diggs' contract is that this year he's on a $24 million salary. Now, and that includes a $22 million signing bonus. Now, I'm starting to see why Dev- the running backs are upset. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I think with, with the Stefan Diggs situation, what he's achieved for the Bills in the last two years has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, I mean, you can make the argument for any of the running backs we talk about, talked about as well, but Diggs is currently feeling not ideal uh, about the contract situation. And uh, it was mandatory mini minicamp over the last two days. Uh, and he arrived and left and then seemed, apparently arrived again uh, as of about half an hour ago. So no one knows what's happening with Stefan Diggs, but that would be one of the biggest shakeups in the entire trade slash free agent market if Diggs was not to be at Buffalo at the start of the season. Can you, I mean, that would shake up the entire AFCs completely. I mean, it certainly would. Um, now, Mr. McCaskill, I know you would love for Stefan Diggs not to be there in Buffalo. <laughs> that would be fantastic for you guys. Uh, <laughs> but can, can we get your insight on this? What do you think is going on there? Because he, he tweeted something out, and then Josh Allen ha- mm-hmm. had a press conference, and he says it's not contract-related, or it's not football-related. Mm-hmm. not football related. And then football related. I think Diggs then said it's not money-related or something, because he's being paid. As you said, mm-hmm. he's been handsomely Absolutely. paid. What's going on in Buffalo? Andrew, what do, you, what do you think? Something's odd here. Something is odd. If you look at it, um, what was McDermott was asked what it was like that Diggs wasn't there. He said, very worrying. And Diggs come out to say, well, I was there. And then McDermott's come out today to say, oh, no. Yeah, I didn't say he wasn't there. All I said, well, I excused him. We had a conversation. We had a wonderful conversation. And I told him, take the rest of the day and we'll get back to it tomorrow. So why he didn't say that yesterday, I don't know. So now it feels like he's almost trying to get him back on side for whatever's happened. Um, he's got previous digs, you know. He did this in Minnesota as well. So he, he is he being a headache? I don't know. Maybe he's justified. We don't really know the reasons. But it's not out with the realms of possibility that he is not with the Bills all that much longer. And I'm trying not to smile too much as I say it. <laughs> okay, I was just so. about to say, look at the cheesy <laughs> grin as he's saying it. Just ridiculous. Right. So, so if, let's, let's, let's throw it out there. If Diggs is not in Buffalo next year, and keep in mind, DeAndre Hopkins is still floating around in the ether. If Diggs mm-hmm. is not in Buffalo next year, other than your own team, where would you <laughs> like to see him go? Dave, we'll start with you. Where would you want to see Diggs would go? Would I like to see him go? Yeah. Um... Or where Probably would you not egg. like to see him go? <laughs> well, I, I would not like to see him go to one of the more likelier ones um, in either the Cardinals or the Patriots because they're both kind of short in that position. Um, where, where would I like to see him go? Probably the XFL. Uh, so that he doesn't come up against the Rams. That's probably the best destination from my point of view. Um, or just any team 
that doesn't have Stefan Diggs, uh, that doesn't have the Rams as our opponent this year would be ideal but yeah they, um, we'll go go for the XFL um, or, or I don't know he, he saw, tell him that NFL Europe is still on and send them over here for a few months that would be ideal for me hey, Andrew uh, do you have any preference as to if <laughs> Stefan Diggs is not a Buffalo Bill um, other than the Dolphins where would you like yeah. to see him go anywhere in the NFC <laughs> just Any, keep, that, that keep him away there is, there's so much talent in the AFC, and when you look at the NFC, after the first couple of teams, it's wide open. So you could really go to any team, I think, in the NFC largely, and make a difference. You know, his brother plays for the Cowboys, would that be interesting to him? You know, that would be another win for Dallas, and all of a sudden, the NFC East becomes interesting, because the Eagles kind of were comfortable there last year, so, you know, who knows? It's hard to get into these guys' heads. That's very true. Now, Dave, you mentioned the Patriots and the Cardinals being sort of bereft of any star power at the wide receiver position. There is another team that doesn't have any star power wide receivers. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, could you imagine, just, just, just putting it out there, DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs on the Kansas City Chiefs? Because they, they've got the cap space. They, they can do it. They can do it. And I hope they well, don't. I, I would die. No. I would absolutely. <laughs> I said this before. If DeAndre Hopkins went to the Chiefs, I would die. If Stefan Diggs went there, I would die even harder. It's just, he. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he is. It's, yeah, it's like, you know, bring <laughs> back John McLean. <laughs> exactly. Bring back John McLean. Die harder. Is that not the... the that's the title. That is yeah. the tagline. Yeah, die hard too. Die harder. Die hard too. Die harder. Yeah. Go on to the airport. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I know what one you're on, but I think the most likely of them, I, I think Dalvin Cook could go to the Chiefs because Edwards Alaire hasn't lived up to the hype. I don't think. Uh, I, it's it's unfair with um you know with Mahomes, Kelsey, and the rest of the the gang, yeah, tearing up the entire league. But I, I think they were expecting more from Edwards Alaire. They do have Pacheco, who seems to have really turned up uh, last year. Um, but I think Davin Cook's the most likely one because. Why, why, uh, why do you suppose. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Dave. Why mm. do you suppose. And I'll put it to both of you. A team like the Texans, obviously not DeAndre Hopkins. Why would they not go out? Let's get Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt. They've got loads of cap space. Let's go and. Make a play for Stefan Diggs if he's not happy. Let's get Saquon back. Why would they not do that? Why would they? Because they've been a rebuild for, let's face it, decades. You know, and yeah, we, we well, thought we thought they'd turn the corner with Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and obviously that didn't work out. Of course, with Deshaun Watson, but the Hopkins thing—they they gave him away for a packet of sweeties. It was just r- ridiculous. Um, so. Sorry, Dave, carry on. I was just, I was spoffling there. I was talking nonsense. What were you saying? Well, I think the thing with the Texans is that we know from history that they cannot make the right decision no matter what the situation is. So, you know, it doesn't matter if they've got star players in the league and their team, they'll still find a way to lose. That's just the Texan way. So, um, yeah, the Texans, I've given up trying to predict what they're going to do or what their decisions are. Um, the Chiefs, I, I, I really hope none, neither, none of them, none of the three go there whatsoever. Um, teams that are in danger of 
be in trouble this year. I mean, the Vikings, but I don't think that's going to happen. The other team that DeAndre Hopkins visited that wasn't the Patriots was the Titans, though. So that could be a potential destination for Stefan Diggs as well, because um, I think it was earlier this week um, Hopkins was visiting the Titans, whereas today and tomorrow he's visiting New England. So... I think Hopkins has a decision to make between the two, and apparently it was really positive at Tennessee, so if he doesn't go there, I, I can't imagine Diggs going from Buffalo to New England. Well, I, 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 it's, no. at, at, the, at the risk of offending you, Dave, what about the 49ers? They, they've got cap space. No comment, space. Your Honour. They've got, <laughs> they've got some cap space, although a lot, a lot of it's tied up in the, in, in the defence, obviously. But, yes, you know, but they're got, not paying I mean, huge money for a quarterback. They're not paying huge money for the. I mean, Christian McCaffrey got a nice contract, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not otherworldly. Debo, is he still on his rookie contract, or is he, no? No, has uh, he, no that, was, he, that ended last he year. Got paid, and yes. He got, remember, Debo he got, got paid. That's right, yeah. So he did. So the um, only the only other kind of star man for uh, in the wide receiver position is Brandon Ayuk. So as disgusting as it makes me feel deep down in the depths of hell, yes, that is a potential destination. I think it is. I think it sort of makes sense for the, I think it makes sense for the player as well. I mean, if I'm, you know, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins. Well, but he was a Cardinal last year. You you don't usually see, uh, unless you're in the NFC East that's the only division that seems to go James between Bradbury. teams. <laughs> James Bradbury, exactly, James Bradbury. Yeah, is in a nutshell. Oh. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think of 49ers might like a kind of outside chance more than kind of front runners. I, I do think that the Pats will end up picking up Hopkins. I, I generally think that's where he's going to be next year. Um, the only thing that's wrong with that is that he doesn't have a quarterback of a high caliber to throw to him so i i don't rate my don't know. Never I, think, have I think i think bailey zappy is pretty good mate i'm just gonna say it right no. now <laughs> i think the, the one thing i would maybe say is that Diggs does have a no trade clause in his contract oh so, i didn't know that i didn't know that can't waive it but waive it he has to basically pick his team so it's not like, like he can basically pick and choose where he goes unless he gets um, released, but that would cost the Bills a lot of money. They're not going to release. Oh, they're, they're not. No, it's the cap. Not. It's the amount of dead cap with that twenty-four million dollars salary and twenty-two million signing bonus. Nah. That's nearly half the cap right there. So no, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be so bad this year, but next year they'd be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So the no trade clause could make could make things interesting because it gives him quite a bit of power as to where he goes if he ever chooses to go. He might oh, be. He might be fine. Might well, although. The, we, we know that players with no trade clauses don't always make the right decision since someone chose to go to the Jets uh, very recently with a no trade clause. So that's... We'll get to the Jets. We'll get to the Jets, Steve. Uh, was there any other news, Dave? Uh, there was one massive signing, though, in the free agency market that uh, veteran-wide receiver Demarcus Robinson goes to LA. So the Rams have another wide receiver because of all the places, of all the positions that we needed, wide receiver was not generally one of them. I mean, we've got our starting four now, wide receivers minimum. So uh, all the other gaps, we can just pretend there aren't gaps there. But Demarcus Robinson, we've got a, a veteran coming in. I think. Um, he might have something to do uh, in the 
special teams area as well. Like, I, I think we're in need of special teams as well. So he could come in there and be kind of third or fourth choice wide receiver uh, because we've got Tutu Atwell, we've got Va- Von Jefferson, and we've got the best wide receiver in the league in Cooper Cup. So apart from that, we've got no need whatsoever for a wide receiver. So I'm not quite sure what the point in DeMarcus Robinson is aside from special teams. So yeah, Rams make a great signing. So gentlemen, we're going to move on now and we are taking our very first deep dive, division deep dive of the off-season as we look at, um, once again, we did this alphabetically like we did last year. So we're starting in the AFC East, starting, of course, with the Buffalo Bills. They finished the season 13-3, and winning the division. Um, they, they did get knocked out in the playoffs. Now, they finished 13-3 and because um, their game against Cincinnati was uh, called off. Basically, thirteen and three. Cincinnati finished twelve and four. Because of this, the game wasn't played. Kansas City Chiefs got the number one seed. Now, the Bills might have lost to Cincinnati, and it would have made no difference whatsoever. But a lot of people were sort of kicking off about this, saying Buffalo should have been able to play that extra game. There, there was no time to play that extra game. There was nowhere they could have in. They would needed to be in in between uh, other games. Uh, unfortunately for them, but the fans weren't happy. But they finished with a thirteen and three record. Um, I mean, their their points differential was a hundred and sixty nine. A hundred and sixty nine, second best in the entire NFL. Um, and uh, I see thirteen and three. Josh Allen was amazing. Stefan Diggs was amazing. Going into this year, what are we looking for from the Buffalo Bills? Let's just assume. Uh, as we've already spoken with Stefan Dix, he's there, all the pieces are there. Von Miller comes back from injury. They have signed a couple of players. The Bills are looking dangerous on paper, as they have done for a couple of years now. Um, Andrew, I will put it to you first. You're an AFC East guy. The Buffalo Bills, what did you think of them last year and what are you expecting from them this year? I thought last year, particularly early doors, they looked phenomenal. They were smashing teams. Uh, as as the season went on, there did seem to be a couple of chinks in the arm, and I thought, I thought the difference between Josh Allen in the first half of the season and the second half, I did think there were more mistakes I would normally see from Josh Allen. Now, when that when Allen rolls out the pocket and he's on the move, watch out, phenomenal in every way, shape, and form. But there were some passes towards the end of the season where he was throwing balls ten yards that were getting intercepted. He just was like he just wasn't seeing defenders. Um, but when Josh Allen is good, boy, is Josh Allen good. And he's an unbelievable player. Uh, I thought Diggs, while he had a good season, again, there were games where he wasn't getting the ball all that much. Games where he was getting a lot of it and would almost always produce when the ball was thrown his way. He wasn't maybe thrown his way as much. Uh, I think this year, I actually think I think they're stronger. I think they're stronger. They've lost to Maine Edmonds. Massive loss at linebacker. But Leonard Floyd's in. They've they've um they got Conor McGovern from the Cowboys in 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 the offensive line. They use some draft picks there. Uh, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good. Um, I hope they're not. Uh, but if Josh Allen, if I, I I have enough faith in Josh Allen that even though I thought he fell off a wee bit towards the end, and in all honesty, they almost lost to the third string Dolphins in the playoffs. That Dolphins team was horrific by the time the the playoffs came around. But if we get the good Josh Allen. They're one of the best teams in the league. They're, they're going to be fighting for the first seed, I would have thought, in the in the whole conference. 
Yeah, I mean, so they, they did lose three games. They lost to your Dolphins in week three, 21-19, a very close game there. Their next loss was to the Jets. They lost 20-17 to uh, in New York. They then lost in overtime to the Vikings, that fantastic 33-30 game. And then they didn't lose a game right up uh, sorry, they didn't lose again right up until the uh, divisional round against Cincinnati. But as you already said, that Dolphins team, it was 34-31. That was a very, very close game. Uh, and then against Cincinnati, they just couldn't get it done at all. They, nothing went right for them in that playoff game against Cincinnati. It almost looked, as you said, you know, Josh Allen can be hot and cold. In that game against Cincinnati, they did nothing. Absolutely mm-hmm. horrendous. Uh, but I think maybe a lot of that was to do with the Bengals' defense was a lot better than I think a lot of people thought it was. Uh, Dave, we'll put it to you, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I mean, what's, what's the big story for them going in? Do you think it's the sort of the revamping of the defense or do you think it is more the offensive line and what they've done there to try and help Josh Allen? Because whilst he is a big guy, a great athlete, he's taking a lot of hits. And what I think what they don't want is for him to go the way of Cam Newton and just end up basically on IR too early in his career. Absolutely, and I, my, what I was about, to, what I was going to say about Buffalo, every single thing was said by Andrew. So I don't know why I'm here today because he <laughs> said it absolutely perfect. Um, and uh, also bringing back a little bit of PTSD about Week One last year when you know people were like hyping up the Rams that they're going to do it for the opening opening game of the year just for the Bills to absolutely bulldozer us. It was just, it was almost embarrassing that, you know, the, the Super Bowl champions played like that and just got absolutely annihilated. It was almost embarrassing. Um, but like Andrew said, though, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is really the only thing that's changed for the Bills. Uh, he, you know, he, um, uh, they, they've pretty much improved everywhere else. Their first round draft pick was used in Dalton Kincaid, though, at tight end. So, um yeah, I thought Dawson Knox was very good last year. So then they've just beefed up with Dalton, Dalton Kincaid. So that's going to be a really interesting one uh, to see how they line up with the first round pick who, I mean, I don't think he was even the highest rated tight end in the draft. So unless they're seeing something that the rest of the scouts aren't, you know, it could, it could be something special. You never know. You could have another Kelsey there. I, I really hope not because I don't think we need another Kelsey in the league uh, that isn't at one of our own teams. But um yeah, I think Leonard Floyd is another loss for the Rams. Uh, Von Miller coming back. Yeah, I mean, them two on the edge is going to be pretty special. I don't see how the Bills... I think that the team, the, the Jets and the Dolphins in particular, are biting at their heels. But the Bills are the, the, the Bills are amazing right now. Josh Allen, amazing in 90% of the games. But those 10% is what I think separates him from the likes of Patrick Mahomes from the top, top quarterbacks because he can't, he, he doesn't maintain it for that extra five to 10% of the, of the games. And some of the, the interceptions, some of the fumbles was, I mean, I would do better in those situations and that's saying a lot. So I think with, um, with Josh Allen, I think he needs to step up the consistency. The rest of the team just need to carry on the way they're going. So I'm, 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 t- I'm tipping the bills for a very successful year. Yeah, I know what you mean about Josh Allen. And Andrew, you mentioned some of the interceptions there. There was one game, I don't know if it was the Dolphins game or the Bengals game in the playoffs, where he threw a pass straight to a linebacker who was five yards away mm-hmm. from him. 
and you're just yeah. going. I mean, how did you not see him? He's six foot six and two hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> like, and he's yeah. literally standing in front, and the, the angle from behind George Allen, the linebacker standing there, and he just throws it right to him. And you're thinking, did he do, did he not do something like that against the Jets during the regular season as well? He might I'm have sure done it was the because Jets. yeah, yeah. I mean, you you both right. Some of the interceptions, you're just going, what was he thinking? Or clearly, it wasn't just in those ones, but. He is a great player. The Bills will be good if they stay healthy. It's just yeah. a question of, are they good enough to outpace everyone else in the AFC East? Moving on, the next team, of course, that we need to talk about in the NFC, uh, AFC East, I'm saying NFC East, AFC East is, Andrew, you're Miami Dolphins. They finished the season with a 9-8 and eight record, wild card spot. Um, they had a minus two points differential on the season, so about across the board as you can possibly get. Um, but as you said yourself, when this offense was hot, it was cooking, and Tua was incredible. I won't forget that game that they played against the Baltimore Ravens when they were so out of it, so out of it. They were, they were down by 21 points in the fourth quarter. Now, there's no way... Absolutely no way. And I was watching Red Zone, and the next thing you know, that they just kept on coming back and came away with a huge win. Uh, and they did have a lot of big wins uh, last year. I mean, that one, as I say, uh, against Baltimore, 42 to 38. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but they had some other uh, games where they're putting up some big points, but then Tua got injured. And when Tua got injured, you really really saw the difference now i'm not gonna lie i was never a big Tua fan when he came out i thought i just wasn't impressed by him didn't think he had it in him i didn't think his deep ball was accurate enough boy did he prove me wrong he was sensational when he was on form but he did have those concussions um the second one in particular was horrific or, or, or the third one whichever yeah. one it was there absolutely horrific and as Tua goes go the Dolphins. That seems to be the way it is. But you'll know more about this team, Andrew, so I'll put it to you first again. Miami Dolphins, what did you make of last year? What are you looking for this year? Yeah, so, start last year, brilliant. Really, really good. Um, essentially, what, what I felt happened was, our offensive line got injured. We ended up on a third string right tackle. Teron Armstead was phenomenal for us, but was missing games. We lost a starting centre, we lost a starting right guard, we lost a starting left guard. And then two of us started getting hit. Two of us getting hit and getting hit and eventually concussion. And then the next game we played the Jets. And then they thought, um, Teddy Bridgewater got a concussion after a couple of games. And then we were down to Skyler Thompson. So that, that to me was ultimately what did us in. We had a load of injuries in the defensive backfield. Uh, we lost, our top cornerback was injured for a lot of the games. He played through it. Our second best cornerback was out for the full season. Our third best cornerback went out for the season after three or four games. We lost one of our safeties. It was just we just we had a rotten luck with injuries. I don't I think you get I think the Broncos were worse, but I think we were pretty much right there behind them. Uh, uh, Dave, Dave, don't don't be waving your hand. Listen, right, Andrew. Okay, here I'm going to explain something to you here. Right, Dave's going to say no. The Rams are the most injured. No, you weren't. You lost Stafford and Cup. Right. 
That was it, and it just goes to show you that your team basically revolved around those two guys. Was, okay. was it not week fourteen or week fifteen that we had like an offensive line that was the same? Yeah, 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 did, yeah. did that yeah. not take because yeah. injury after injury after injury every week? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just mixed up. Listen, nothing compared to the Dolphins yep. and the Broncos. We both know this, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, no, you're right, Andrew. Uh, carry on there. I, I had to interrupt you because Dave was. Just having a fit <laughs> there, <laughs> thinking the Rams were the most injured team. Yeah, yeah okay, carry on. <laughs> but, but by and large, we've basically brought back much of the same squad. Uh, the running backs are all back. We've had Dev on the chain uh, as a running back with some speed. Shock of shocks, Dolphin speed. Mike White's coming from the Jets to take over from Bridgewater as a backup. Robbie Mike Anderson's White. in. Again, speed. Uh, at first, people losing with Baron Jones end up retiring. He's gone. Gasicki went to the Pats, but he wasn't getting used for the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's a good player. He's used right. And we lost to Landon Roberts, uh, who was a decent leader, but not nothing, nothing too too big for us to lose. Uh, the the to me one of one of the biggest things one if we can stay healthy, win in good a uh, good spot, but also Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator last year, I thought just got almost everything he did wrong. I mean injuries aside. Didn't like the way he 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 was play calling defense. They were leaving uh, the cornerback exposed far too often. Now we have Fangio. We have Vic Fangio in. He's done it before. It's really exciting. Um, the, when you yeah. look at that. So, so sorry. No. Yeah, the, the the Dolphins did have one of the worst defenses in the league last year. Uh, and shouldn't was, have. I, I know they shouldn't, shouldn't have because plenty of talent there. Plenty of talent. Yeah. They shouldn't have having Vic Fangio there. Is going mm-hmm. to you? You're immediately going to be in the top, like immediately top ten, immediately, yeah. and and we're yeah. fighting for one of the best defenses in the league. And so, you see, some people will arg- argue with that, and they'll say, "Well, you, you know, a change of coordinator isn't going to do that." Vic Fangio has had a top ten defense basically every single year he's mm-hmm. coached. I think only who was it? Um, yeah, it was only Bill Belichick and Wade Phillips have a higher percentage of top ten defenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on! That's, <laughs> now, that's extreme company. Bill Belichick is right at the top, and no one else is even close. But Vic Fangio said he's been there for 150 years, I think, uh, and he mm-hmm. will improve that defense immensely. Uh, Dave, what do you think? What do you reckon? What are your viewpoints? Stop thinking about your Rams. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Right. What do you think about the Dolphins going into this year? Particularly, now we've spoken about the offense, but I I do want to get your uh, opinion again on um, this passing attack. If Tua stays healthy, it was Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill. They did lose Kaseki, but as Andrew already mentioned, maybe not utilizing him to the best of his abilities. But this defense does have some good parts on it. What are you expecting to see this year from the Dolphins? Assuming they can keep... The, the star men healthy. And when I say star men, I'm very sadly now including Jalen Ramsey in that, which I really did not want to say ever, pretty much. But yes, I, I, I think um, if they can get some consistency, the Dolphins are, without a shadow of a doubt, the biggest threat to the Bills. Uh, the Jets don't even come close to a full-strength, full kind of bulldozing uh, Miami Dolphins team. Um, I, I, I mean, he... he but if you if you look on the defense, the two cornerbacks uh, is it Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, one yeah. on each side. It's like, well, we can't throw there. So, and by the time that you realize you you definitely have to throw in the middle, the the defensive line have got you. 
So it's it's just it's going to be a case of I I, th- I think the, the way the Dolphins seem to be going is that they're just going to outscore you. They they they've they're just going to you know power, power football. Um, if if you score twenty eight points, we're going going to score twenty nine. A, you know, obviously that's the kind of concept of the game, but they're focusing so much on offense that it's just speed, and we're sticking to this. We're gonna just absolutely leave you in the dust. We're gonna score as much as we can. Um, you know, obviously you can say it's a point of the game you score more than your opponents, but the focus is on offense. Even though they've got they've taken in Jalen Ramsey, I think this year they've had to. Because last year with the injuries, it showed just how weak their defense or how many holes there was in the defense. Um, so they've brought in Jalen Ramsey. They've made one or two slight adjustments. But I think this Dolphins team is one of the biggest improvements. Yeah, and, you know, if they're all fully fit, I think they're uh, they're really a force to be reckoned with in the AFC this year. Yeah, I mean, um, I can think of another team who's addressed their last year's issues better than the Dolphins have. I mean, agreed. Yeah. You know, I, I, as you see it, Andrew, the offensive line was pretty bad last year and a lot of injuries. Yeah. You know, so they beefed up the offensive line. The defense had a lot of holes in it last year. So they get one of the best cornerbacks in the league and one of the best defensive coordinators in the world. I mean, they really just went, what, what worked? The passing game. Yeah. The passing game was great. Tua, Waddle, Tyreek was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It opened up holes for the running game. Great. That's wonderful. What didn't work? Offensive line and the defense. So they've addressed both of those things. The Dolphins... The, on, on talent, that, that Dolphins defensive line should be great last year and wasn't. So if Fandry can get those guys working, Ogba, there'd be Jalen Phillips there, Christian Wilkins, Zach Zeeler, there's a lot of good players there. Badly Chubb. Well, we make a Badly Chubb this year. So <laughs> the players are there. They are. Happen. And uh, Bradley Chubb had his best season under Vic Fangio. And he'll probably have his next best season under Vic Fangio. Uh, I, I can't. I, I know that when Fangio was the head coach of the Denver Broncos, I used to pull my hair out. That's why I'm, you know, I've got an advancing forehead here. <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> Hackett did it for me last year. Anyway, not the point. When Vic, Fa- when Vic Fangio, when Vic Fangio was, and, and I was like, oh my God, you know, we've, we've taken timeouts into every. You know, taking time at home with us after every game for no reason that we lost in the last minute of the game. Um, but cannot fault the defense. That just defensively, that those Broncos teams with didn't have an awful lot of talent. Yes, you had Vaughn Miller. Yes, you had uh, Justin Simmons. And yes, you had Bradley Chubb. And I think Vic Fangio really got the best out of those other guys. He'll get the best out of the Stars, he'll get the best out of the other guys. And this Dolphins team could be, if they stay healthy, always the caveat, could be very dangerous. But we can't talk about the Dolphins all the time, Andrew. I know you'd love to, but we can't do it. We do need to move on to the next team in the AFC East. And it was the third place New England Patriots. They were 8-9 in the season. Points differential of 17 points. Um, And sort of, they had quarterback issues both with the quarterback play and with injuries. Uh, now, it does seem that over the past two two seasons or so, the Patriots have really not had a lot of good quarterback play. But then they've really not had very good receiver play. A lot of drop balls over the past couple of years from those receivers. 
Um, defense is still good, but it wasn't as good. Again, a lot of injuries last year for the Patriots. Andrew, we'll put it to you first again. Uh, what do you make of last year for the Patriots? And what do you think about going into this year? They did steal Gasecki from you. Yes, yeah, and uh, I think could work out quite well for them. Um, I actually thought they flattered a bit last year, uh, even on the seven wins. The the the, the AFC schedule last year wasn't too difficult. I have to say it was a bit easier, and I thought a lot of the time they weren't all that great. The Deca went out here, the Deca went out there. Um, they've not done a whole lot. If they've obviously brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, that's obviously going to be interesting. See that will they bring in DeAndre Hopkins? We'll see. Um, they, they signed James Robinson, the ex-Jags running back, and then released him. <laughs> they released him this week. I thought he was going to be the Damien Harris replacement, but evidently not. Uh, I think I think in terms of, of, of where they're going this year, I think the quarterback position is going to be so key. Uh, can Mac Jones find his way? Are they going to be using Bailey Zappi? Uh, we're seeing that both players are getting first-team reps at the minicamp so far. So apparently Mac Jones is outperforming Zappi. But I don't think it's a it's a done deal. Uh, we got Kendrick Bourne who said this week that he didn't really try last year, which seems crazy for a, a Bill Belichick receiver. But yeah, well, I, I I just didn't give him my maximum effort last year. Will he bounce back? Um, it's, I think again, he needs the, to after seeing that. that. One would hope so. Yeah, he only had like four hundred yards or something on the season. Um, the defense will be good. The defensive line is very good. Um, yeah, they're they're okay. They they don't they don't scare me too much. I think Christian Gonzalez, the, the first round uh, draft pick, the cornerback, looks like he's going to be a good player. Just I mean, it's it's early days, obviously. Um, so we'll see where they go. But uh, I don't know. I don't know them. I think they're going to struggle again this year. Dave, what do you reckon, Miami Dolphins? Uh, not uh, my goodness. We've done the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. We've done the Miami. Oh. Back to the no. You <laughs> said the you new... can't talk about the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, and then who turns it back? I know, same I just, guy. Yeah, I, I did do that. That was my fault. I do apologize. Uh, new England Patriots, Steve. What are you thinking? They were so hot and cold last year. It was like going from the equator to Antarctica. Sometimes it was ridiculous. Um, and that's a very unlike Bill Belichick kind of team. Uh, I think the only thing that was really, you know, uh, in for them is that the Jets still suck against them. But apart from that, I, I, I concur exactly what Andrew said. I think they're really going to struggle. Um, and I, I think they're going to, that they're definitely not going to get the same record that they had last year. I, I think at the moment, anyway, with the wide receiver situation, they have Juju as wide receiver number one instead of Jacoby Myers. That's a downgrade for me. Uh, Juju, when he first burst onto the scene, yes, he was good. He hasn't. He stagnated at best. Uh, I think Juju has, even though he had Pat Mahomes last year. Uh, I, I still think he's not ideal. Um Cornerback situation is Christian Gonzalez looks really good from his college tape. He, he's he's quite, if I remember rightly, he's quite a tall cornerback. He's quite dominant and he's got a lot of skill in his hands as well uh, when it comes to interceptions. So it's a that that's a very shrewd move from the Patriots. But again, Mac Jones not ideal. They haven't got any kind of standout running back, no standout weapons at all. So either it's going to be a defensive masterclass in the form that they're going to shut out teams or they're going to hold every single team to under 10 points. 
or they're going to struggle. And I think because of the way the league is, and especially the competition in this division, I think the Patriots are going to struggle and will be silver spoon, silver spoon, wooden spoon in the division. <laughs> I was uh, I was having a look to see. They, they obviously got eight wins last year. Uh-huh. Be, the Trubisky-led Steelers, where Trubisky threw for 152 yards. The Dolphins' third string towards the end of the season. The Lions' early doors when the Lions were losing all the time. The Colts... 29-0. That game, or is it, yeah, they shut out the Lions. That was just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The Colts, the Browns, twice against the Jets, and the Cards on the day that they lost Kyler in the first couple of minutes. So it's this, you know, they didn't beat really anybody of note all season. Yeah, and so and they're always going to beat. They're always going to beat the Jets. If they go two, yes. if they go two and fifteen this year, it's two <laughs> against the Jets. We we know this yeah. is going to happen. So yeah, you can basically take those, those two wins and throw them away. For the Jets, every single time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I look at this team and I don't know what to make of it. It might be one of the hardest teams to try and figure out what they're going to be. Because last year, I, I thought I knew what they were going to be and they were completely different. And this year, I've got no idea. It, it looks like there has been changes, but nothing major. There's been no major upgrade. You said yourself, Dave, there's no weapons like big name weapons and you just look at it and say "Ah, what can they do i personally thought bailey zappi played very well except there are times when he throws the ball he just floats he floats it when he doesn't need to yes he just puts too much air under it and interceptions started you know he had like had a great first game or or game and a half Lee looked fantastic and then by you know by the time the defensive coordinators and coaches have gone okay this is how he throws this is how we're going to play them from now yeah. on and they started picking off all his passes um, watch the tape that, exactly um, so I don't, I don't know how they're going to be I, I want Mac Jones to do well because I like him as a person he comes across as a genuinely nice person he's not too full of himself but I don't think he's got the talent, the level of talent to carry this team. I mean, they nearly made the playoffs the year before. They were so close. The last week, they didn't make it. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. I was absolutely stumped uh, with regards to what to make. What's, um, I think what's quite interesting is we were talking there about the, the, how the, the schedule wasn't too bad for the AFC last year. It's horrific this year. Whether you look at the, whether you base it off the 2022 win percentage or the projected wins, all four AFC's teams are in the top seven of the hardest schedules for the, for the year. Mm. Um, so that's going to that's gonna prove, for last year when, when the schedule was a bit easier, this year it's not. Do you so know kind of wh- which, which divisions have you got this year? Are you aware of who it is? Uh, the NFC East and the AFC West. Oh, that's rough. Yep. That is yeah. rough. So, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 not ideal. Uh, so yeah, and so then when you're also talking about the fact that you've also got a couple of extra games in your confidence and the difference between the AFC this season, the NFC this season, I think is going to be considerable. Huge. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the AFC teams this year, but the AFC East in particular has a really tough schedule. Now uh, we will move on, gentlemen. We'll come to the final team in the AFC East, and it is, of course, the New York Jets. 
Now, last year, the New York Jets went 7-10, and 10, uh, points differential of minus 20, which it's, it's not the worst, but it's not great. Um, and I think we have to talk about the quarterback. I'm sorry, but yeah, we do. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Humble guy, lovely human being. Yep. Yeah. Last year, the Jets quarterback play is some of the worst quarterbacking I've ever seen. And, and I, I don't see that. It was an embarrassment. If I had been a Jets fan, I would have been embarrassed. And it's not just last year. It's the past two or three years. The, the quarterback play has been so bad that you just you think there's no way out of it until Mike White comes along and throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns in back-to-back games that he played. Of course, there was like an 18-month gap between those games that he played. That's not the point. <laughs> Not the point. Oh, they they, you've got the answer. And Mike White, let the man cook. No. What do they do? They ship him. Ship him off. And to, divisional to, rival. To a divisional rival. Your own we'll Dolphins. I tell you, a great backup. Mike White, if you say to him, he, Mike White may not be a starter in the NFL. He might not be. But if he can be that Nick Foles factor, the guy who can Shining. come in one game, boom, turn it on, and then walk away. Happy. Mike White can do that. We've seen him do it on multiple occasions. The Jets get rid of him, and they bring in the worst coach in the history of the NFL as offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett. And I've, I'm just so glad, although I don't know what he said to them, to get that, I don't know how the interview went for him to get that job. You know, so I'm I'm sort of imagining the interview, so that you know they'll be sitting there, and then Nathaniel Hackett comes in, and they're like, "Oh, Nathaniel, take a seat." And he's like, oh, "Yeah, okay." I said, "So, what makes you think you could be the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets?" What did he say? I mean, seriously, Actually, did he? He's like, "Oh, I'll tell, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um, well, I don't go for it on fourth or five. I try and kick sixty-four yard field goals. Um, I don't know when the play clock is running down. I have to get the fans. Can we get the fans to shout it out for me? I don't know how to call plays. I don't know how to drop running plays. I can't operate a screen pass. <laughs> what on what on earth did he say in that interview that got him this gig? I was like, oh, I'm pals with Aaron Rodgers. That's what he said. He had one sentence. If you hire me, I'll deliver you Rodgers. Okay, you're hired. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, yeah. Mr. Rodgers turns up. He was supposed to be in Denver last year. This is this what everyone thought was going to happen. Everyone thought to get Nathaniel Hackett in because they're making a play for Aaron Rodgers. And it didn't happen. So they were stuck with Nathaniel Hackett. Um, and that obviously, I'm not going to, sorry, oh, I'm calming down. I'm not going to go on to that. Yeah. I apologize, Andrew and Dave. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Anyway, this year, Nathaniel Hackett goes to the Jets as offensive coordinator. In comes Aaron Rodgers. Clearly, it's an upgrade. Whether or not you like Aaron Rodgers as a person, it's an upgrade. <laughs> so, what do we make? We don't even need to look at last year. Last year was awful. Let's not even talk about last year. The Jets were horrendous. I know they had some injuries. Brees Hall went down injured early. 
Um, and they, they had a receiver who went down as well. And Garrett Wilson, Garrett yeah. Wilson, yeah. So they had some terrible injuries to some really good young players. Um, but that, that was really just window dressing because the core team was terrible, really bad. Dave, I'm going to give you the first shout in the New York Jets here. What do you think? What, what can we expect from this team? I think you can expect an upgrade on the team as a whole anyway. Um, they have addressed some needs. Uh, obviously, we've spoken about quarterback. I don't think there's anything that really needs to be added other than they, they've improved. That's all you need. Two words right there. Um, wide receiver-wise, I mean, off the top of my head, they've got Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and I think it's Corey Davis would be their second or third wide so, receiver. Because they, they got rid of Braxton Berrios. They did, yeah. Um, so I think it's Corey Davis now. Um, and, you know, they, they've... I mean, they were, what, 7-10 and 10 last year? Uh, at the quarterback, if the quarterback play improves, I, I don't see why that can't be, you know, 10-7 and seven kind of thing. That's, that's kind of turnaround. But at the same time, have they improved enough to catch up to the Bills? No. Have they improved enough to catch up to the Dolphins? No. Um I, I, they they were kind of aside from the two losses to the Pats overall they were maybe around par with them slightly better. Um, I think they've gone past the Pats at the right as as they are right now. I think they've gone past them. So um, I think I, I love the coach. I, I like Robert Sala. I, I think he's oh, such a he's, he's, <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking about Hackett there for a second. No, the head coach. The yes, the I head definitely coach. don't. Yes. <laughs> no, not Hackett. No, no, no. <laughs> absolutely not. Robert Sala. Um, yes, I, I agree with you on Robert Sala. Yes, carry on. Yeah, um, but I mean, the game that uh, they beat the Bills in, um, where I'm, I'm pretty sure that he threw, uh, Josh Allen threw that horrible interception in that game in the Jets, or he fumbled something. It was just, it, it was. Uh, uh, offensive nightmare for the Bills that day. I think they, they managed to see it out. And I think that's what a lot of the results were last year. They were grinding out hard-fought results all, the majority of the season. Um, they did have a couple of bad games, though, uh, you know, where they only scored single digits, uh, which, you know, that needs to be improved. I can't imagine there's going to be many of them with Aaron Rodgers at a quarterback. So, um, and you've got, you got Lazard, you've got uh, Garrett Wilson, one of them on each side. You've always got weapons. Brees Hall coming back, one of the most kind of exciting young prospects at running back. Um, and they've also added, I think it was Will McDonald to the edge. And he's got, yeah, he, he's got a lot of talent. And I think he's an upgrade on, I want to say Curry. Uh, I was I, I was reading it earlier. I think it was Vince Curry or Vincent Curry, one of the two. Um, but yeah, he was... Um, he was on the edge for them last year, and they've they've upgraded. So they 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 are without Elijah Moore, who put in a couple of good performances last year as well. So Alan Zard will step in there. I think the Jets have done a lot better, or they and they will do a lot better, but they're not quite there uh, to kind of Bills Dolphins levels. So I, I I you like to see the underdog do well. Um, Calling Aaron Rodgers the underdog is quite a weird thing, considering for the last fifteen years he's there, he's not been. But um, yeah, I think the I think the Jets have done the market uh, market improvement anyway, but uh, maybe not quite enough this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Jets fans would be delighted to see Rodgers there. Of course, they're a huge upgrade, and I think the only the only fans happier to see him there are Chicago Bears fans. 
to get him out of the division. Yeah, I mean, true. He's, yeah. he's he's crippled the Bears for fifteen years. Um, he has. He really has. I I honestly I think someone. In fact, I think it was on Good Morning Football that in the past fifteen years the Packers are twenty six and four against the Bears. I mean, that's horrendous. That's absolutely awful. That's got to be in line with the Patriots Jets. It has to be. Like the, the worst that one team is against another team. Now you, you, you know you know how you know why at night time people say you eat cheese, you have nightmares. Can you imagine what Jay Cutler is like if he eats cheese? Be screaming, ah Lambo! Just back walking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up in the middle of the night. The, the Bears, man. The, all those Bear fans say, like, you, you'll be, oh, this is a, a nice a Red Leicester cheese. I'm just screaming because of the PTSD from playing at Lambo week every year. Just Possibly. <laughs> not sure how to respond to that. Um, Andrew. Andrew, let's uh, get your take on the New York Jets. Yeah, the Jets, to me, they're an interesting one. If you look at Brees Hall will hopefully be back, will he be ready week one, and even if he is, how long does it take before we get the Brees Hall we got last season? Because he was excellent at the start of last season, he really was. But ACLs notoriously take a while, particularly for running backs, to get back to the levels uh, that they were at previously. Michael Hardman, they've got they got him signed up, but he was at the Chiefs last year without Terry Kill, and he did very little. So, and that was Mahomes behind him. Um, to me, the, the, their offensive line, I think, has improved. They got Joe Tipton in the second round of the draft. Um, he's an interior lineman. They'll have uh, Beckton back from injury on one end and Dwayne Brown on the other. So the offensive line are definitely improved. To me, it's all about Aaron Rodgers. It's it's where uh, where's Aaron Rodgers at? And I had a wee look. I had a wee look to see how he did last year because there was there was actually quite a decline between the Aaron Rodgers that we know and been so used to and where he was last year. Now I remember he had a down year three or four years ago, and then everyone thought, "Was oh, this it?" And then he just came back with a couple of stellar years. So that may well happen again. But I was looking at it. It's um his lowest yards total. His lowest yardage total when he's played when he's basically when he's always played all season had not been injured. It's his lowest ever yardage total, and that includes the fact that last year they had seventeen games, not sixteen. So he had an extra game, and it was still his lowest. The most interceptions since the first year took over from Favre, um, and he had three total interceptions. Uh, was it three or four? Uh, no, he had sorry, he had thirteen. I think total interceptions the three seasons combined before that. And then at 13, all of last season. If we get great Aaron Rodgers, it's a big improvement. If we get the same Aaron Rodgers as last year, considering as well that the AFC is going to be AFC's schedule is going to be so much harder, I'm actually not sure that they that they will improve. I think they, I think they're a better team, but in terms of actually their record, I'm not so sure. I think they're going to struggle this year. I I, I actually think they're going to end up somewhere similar. To where to where to where they were last year in terms of record. Although I do think they had a better side, but I don't know. I don't know. I th- I forgot about McCall Hardman. I I, I yeah. think that's a great pickup for them. So I that's a that's another weapon to an mm. already stacked offense with weapons. Where Brees Hall alone is he he's he's got receiving ability as well. Make no yeah. doubt about it. But then when you add it to you know Garrett Wilson, when you add it to Alan Lazard, McCall Hardman. That's that's a pretty good 
uh, offense. And I I think uh, the only thing that may let down the Jets is the offensive line. It's not even that terrible an offensive line. I just mm-hmm. think that Aaron Rodgers under pressure last year, especially, you saw just a little bit of vulnerability around him, which I think led to quite a few of these interceptions. So, um, yeah, just to emphasize what Andrew says, I don't know. I think we, none of us really know what which Jets are going to turn up. I mean, if it's classic Jets, then it's, it's just going to be third place, isn't it? Or even last, it's it's going to be classic Jets. But yeah. for the for the sake of the fans, I hope they improve. I don't. I hate the Jets. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, I just do. If you're a Dolphins fan, you hate the Jets. It's just how it is. Of course. you have to. Every Dolphins fan I know despises the Jets. Yeah. It's like, I mean, they, I thought, they obviously hate the Patriots because of the, you know, sustained success, but there's yeah. like some deep-seated hatred of the Jets. Yeah. I, I have no issues with that whatsoever. Uh, with, um, given that the Pats, the Pats have dominated the last, you know, 20 odd years, when the, the Pats and the Jets would ever play in the AFC Championship game, Pats all the way. Didn't matter if they won the last five or six, just never the Jets. <laughs> I, I, I'm with, I agree with both of you. I, don't know what's going to happen with the Jets. I'm not buying into the hype, uh, having Aaron Rodgers there. I think it, you're both right. It will be an upgrade, but probably not enough. And I think they'll be last place. I, I do think they'll be last place. Yeah. I, I think um, the placings this year might actually be the same as last year. Not sure about the Dolphins. Not sure. I just, I, I, I'm giving the Bills a slight edge, Andrew. Apologies there, That's but I am as well. I'm, I'm giving them a slight edge. I've got Bills first, Dolphins second. I'm taking the Pats third, and I'm going Jets fourth because the Jets are the Jets, and they're going to do Jet things, and I just don't trust them to do it right. I, I, I just don't, and I, you know, call me biased, but Nathaniel Hackett there. I, I, I'm sorry. It just. Un- un- unless something remarkable happens in New York, I-, I can't see the Jets getting out of the basement there. So, gentlemen, that is our AFC East deep dive taken care of. Oh, sorry, before we do that, uh, yeah, just give me your final placings. Dave, give me your final placings for the AFC East. One, two, three, and four. Uh, Bills to nick it with a 12 and 5 record. Dolphins to go straight into the playoffs with a twelve and five record, but Bills have the slightly uh, better head to head. And I'm going to have the Jets in third with a ten and seven record, and the Pats have a seven and ten record. Andrew, what do you make of that? Well, this is going to be quite interesting. It's not the exact same, but I have the Bills in first with a twelve and five record. The Dolphins in second with a twelve and five record. I have the same oh. there, but as the same. <laughs> But uh, I have the Jets at seven and ten, and the Pats at five and twelve. Um, I think I, I don't think they'll they'll hit the heights. But Bills and Dolphins, if if they're both completely healthy, there's not a whole lot between them. You've just I've got if I had to, if I had to ever pick a quarterback, would I go Josh Allen? Would I go Tua? I'd go Josh Allen every day of the week, twice on Sunday. So I think I, I, I give them the edge. But it's it's close. I hope it's close anyway. You know, yeah. I would I would say just to, just to very quickly add, I think. It will be uh, with Bills with Stefan Diggs will be what uh, me and Andrew said. Bills without yes. Stefan Diggs, I think it'll be the other way about. I think it might be even eleven and six for the Bills. It tw- you know ten and seven. I think that's how important Stefan Diggs is. 
yeah. if Davis becomes the number one receiver, and that's to me that's a big downgrade. Yeah, massive. if if he if he yeah. sort of holds out or or whatever doesn't play for whatever reason this year, I think you yeah. you you're right there. That will be bad. And I, I if that was the case, I'd put the Dolphins first. I would. Yep. Again, we're assuming everybody stays healthy on all teams. Yeah, everything's oh, equal. Yeah. Everything's equal. I would put the Dolphins up there. I just don't trust the Jets. I think um, I'm taking Patriots nine and eight, and I'm taking Jets eight and nine. I, I don't. I don't see the Jets doing it. I don't see it. <laughs> so, gentlemen, just before we finish and before we go into our last segment, um, quick note: Netflix have a what looks like a documentary type thing coming out um coming out on july 12th it's called quarterback and it's featuring patrick mahomes kirk cousins and marcus mariota um yeah three hall of fame quarterbacks you've ever heard of them <laughs> in every every spectrum of the quarterback sphere right there let's not forget mariota was drafted higher than any of those other guys second overall yeah, second overall, yeah. behind James Winston. Behind James, uh, James Winston, that's absolutely right. So that's a premiering on July 12th on Netflix. Mahomes, Cousins and Mari Otta see the game from their side. Quarterback. Now, gentlemen, it comes to our final, final segment. Uh, and it is, of course... Random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Their best Tim Durbin impression there. Uh, right random stats uh, Andrew you are the guest so I'm not going to make you go first okay uh, I'll go first and then we can have Dave and then you can finish us off with a random stat how does that sound Andrew sounds good to me excellent right my random stat concerns the Washington Commanders now the Washington Commanders um, last year went 8-8-1 eight and eight and one, so it's you know essentially a, a, a sort of 500 record, as it were, as they call it. Uh, which, do you know something? Sorry, quick tangent. I've never understood why in America they do the percentages as points. Do, do you know what I mean? Like decima- decimalizing yeah, them Yeah, it's almost. like it's 0.500. That's a half. Mm. But they call it a winning percentage. That would be 50%. But they say 0.500. Don't ask me why. I'm just wondering why they do that. Anyway, that's by the by. Right, so, the Washington Commanders, 8-8-1. Uh, eight and eight and now, their last winning season was in 2015 when they were 9-7. and seven. Their best season before that was 2012, they were 10-6. and six. You have to go all the way back to find a season where they won 11 or more games to 1991 and in 1991 the Washington then redacted went 14 and 2 won the Super Bowl beating the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl 26 at the Metrodome in Minnesota Mark Rippon going nuts that year is the last year the Washington Redskins at the time redacted apologies won 11 or more games since 1991 31 years 31 seasons have passed they haven't won 11 games and that is my random stat pretty short pretty random there you go 
I mean, <laughs> speechless. With the, the, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the organization in the last 20 years has been shocking. But then when you go back to another 10 years, 30 years back, the, the last time they had double figures for wins, that says a lot. I mean, maybe maybe they can, the, the fans can have a fresh start under new ownership. It's, it's not outside the realm's possibility. I think they just need to clean up a little bit and they've got a chance. But wow, yeah. we, we were feeling sorry for the Jets fan base before. Let's let's divert the attention. Yeah. I think you can make um, I think you can make a pretty strong case that the Washington Commanders are probably the worst run franchise in American sports over the past twenty years, and it's and it's been an absolute shambles. Yeah, it's it's sort of between them and the Cleveland Browns. That was my candidate. Yeah, right there. You look at who's like what's the most unstable, just, like just toxic atmosphere franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it does appear to be between Washington and, and Cleveland. Like, who's the, the worst? Um, I mean, the Raiders, Raiders are coming up on it. The though. Raiders like to self, you know, self destruct themselves yeah. quite a bit, but not on that, not on that level. No, not on that level. Uh, but yeah, 1991, funnily, funnily enough, slight, slight, uh, envy, slight, slight addendum. Mm-hmm. It's not a tangent, it's an addendum to <laughs> that. So they won the Super Bowl that year. The following year, they drafted a Heisman Trophy winner. The year after winning the Super Bowl, does anyone know who it was? 92. So it wasn't a running back, was it? It was not a running back. No. It was future Super Bowl champion. Future Super Bowl. Did he win MVP? Should have done if he didn't. Desmond Howard. Oh wow! Yeah, and wow. so I'm because I, I remember when, when like back back in 1991, right? Um, the the draft wasn't on TV. NFL Network didn't exist. Channel Four didn't mm-hmm. cover the draft. You only found out who'd been who was on your team when you started watching games. None of it was mentioned unless you subscribed to. Uh, I don't know if you if you remember the the the, the, the papers, the magazines. You had one called Gridiron. And one called Touchdown, and one called First Down. First Down was like a paper. First Down, yeah. yeah that, I, I, was, I used to get First Down, yeah. So, unless you sub- subscribe to those, or, or you, you bought them regularly, I should say, you had no idea who was drafted. No one did. And then I remember in 1992, I think it was second or third week or whatever, the, the, the Washington team uh, were, were featuring in, in a game, and they were talking about, oh, and here's Desmond Howard. I'm going, how do the Super Bowl champions draft him? Because prior to that season, they'd already made a trade with Cincinnati, and they had Cincinnati's pick, and Cincinnati absolutely sucked in 1991. So the the Washington redacted were picking like fourth or fifth the year after winning the Super Bowl. Imagine that happened. To, imagine today the Kansas City Chiefs had the fourth pick in the draft. You'd be raging. <laughs> Absolutely I mean, raging. The eagle, the eagles were quite high up. The eagles were very uh, high up. Yeah, yeah. Just because of all so these, bad. all these trades, and that's that's the thing. What people don't, a lot of people forget when you're swapping, you know, first rounders and stuff like that. Oh, we'll just swap first rounders from next year. And yeah, that's fine. That could be a number one pick. You have no idea what it could be thirty one. But it could be number one. No idea what's going to happen with that. Anyway, sorry, threw that in there. The stat was short. The addendum was long. Apologies, Dave. <laughs> what is your random stat? Well, for mine, we're going back in time. 
and we're going back to 1972. Now, Ooh. 1972 was one of the best teams ever. And that team was the unbeaten 1972 Miami Dolphins. Perfect, Will. Now, the only team ever, not only to go unbeaten in the regular season, but they went unbeaten. They, they, they won the divisional game. They won the championship game and they won the Super Bowl. They're the only team ever to do that. But there were three other teams that were very close. There were three other teams that won, that went the entire regular season unbeaten. And they got to the Super Bowl and lost. So the, the Chicago Bears did it twice. It was way back in the day. You're talking like nearly 100 years ago. In 1934, 1942. But there was one team a lot more recent that did it. And Eli Manning took care of business that day when the, when the Patriots in 2007 lost the Super Bowl to the New, to the, the New England Giants. Wow, that would be funny. <laughs> to the New York Giants uh, in 2007. But that year, Miami not only accomplished that, they led the league in total offense, in total defense, scoring offense, scoring defense, and they are the only team ever to do so. They then went to the divisional playoffs. They beat the Browns 20 points to 14. They beat the Steelers 21 points to 17. And then they beat Washington 14 points to 7. Bob Grease at quarterback. And just two little highlights that year. They had two shutouts in that year as well. And the biggest one was 52 to 0 against the Patriots. <laughs> so... Just to rub it in, the 2007 Patriots were not able to completely match the record set by the 72 Dolphins. But, yeah, the, the Dolphins, I think, you know, you've got the 85 Bears generally considered the greatest team of all time. I'm putting the 72 Dolphins as a number one contender. You, you, I think you off, the head, off the top of my head, I think they'll be... The Dolphins not beat the 85 Bears that season. They did. They were the only team to beat the 85 Bears. Dan Marino absolutely destroyed Buddy Ryan's 46 defense. Killed it. I was born in the era. (laughs) Killed it, stone dead. That was, I'll tell you what, actually, right. So in 1984, sorry, 85, beg your pardon. So it was the year after Marino had done his 5,000-yard 48 touchdown passing. When mm-hmm. he came up against the Chicago Bears, I think it was a Monday night game, he was just ping, 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 touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Bears had no answer to it. Their defense was torn to pieces. And they were terrified in going in the NFC Championship game because the Dolphins were playing the Patriots. Now, the Dolphins destroyed them on Soldier Field. Can you imagine what they would have done in the Superdome? To that team, mm-hmm. they would it would have been it would have just been an absolute slaughter. But as it happened, the Patriots sneaked in in the AFC Championship game to face the Bears and got killed by that by Buddy Ryan's defense. But if the Dolphins had won that AFC Championship game, Marina would have had a ring. He would have done. He'd already he'd yeah, already slaughtered them mid season. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah. So you yeah. never made one Super Bowl in his career. I know. That's true. Super Bowl nineteen. Uh, now, one other thing before we go on to you, Andrew. Every year, a team goes on a run. 
the beginning of the season. Once they get to four, five, six wins. And every year, people start talking, can they go undefeated? And when that team loses, the Miami Dolphins pop the champagne and and people don't like this. Now, I don't have a problem with this at all. None. Because they're saying, oh, yes, oh, they had like such an easy schedule. They only played two teams with winning records or, or whatever it was. And, you know, and they had this and they had that. And they, everything was in their favor. You play who your schedule is. You don't make the schedule. <laughs> and if you go out and beat everyone you play, then you're the best team. Because no one else has ever done it. So until someone else goes undefeated, and I don't care that there's more games in the season, doesn't matter, because there was a lot more parity back then as well, Uh, and the game was a lot more violent back then. I don't care that there's more games. I like to see the Dolphins popping the champagne when when our team loses, because until you go undefeated, you've got nothing to say. Nothing. I don't want to hear all the 2007 Patriots would have destroyed the 1972 Dolphins. Are you sure? Because they couldn't beat the 2007 Giants. <laughs> I think with a sixth seed in the yeah, NFC. They were, they were a wild card team. Uh, yeah, wild card all the way to the Super Bowl. All the way. They yeah. played everything on the road. I think only, uh, they were the first team to do that since the 97 Broncos. They were on the road the whole time. And then they went to the Super Bowl and beat the, the Patriots and Tom Brady laughing, going, oh, we're only going to score 17 points. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even score that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want to hear it. don't want to hear it about people saying that the 72 Dolphins aren't arguably like, just the best team of all time. They are because they never lost. And no one else has ever... I'm sorry, Dave, I know you said, like, teams from the 1920s might have done that or, or whatever, but... In, in the existence of the NFL, uh, as it is, since the Super Bowl era, no team has ever gone undefeated. Until someone does, I hope the boys are still popping the champagne. I hope the ball boy from that Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. team 10 years from now is still popping the champagne. Oh, look <laughs> at that. The, I don't know whoever it is. I was well, going to say yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, no, that's the guy of the yeah. Jets. The, the, those, the Bears that they did it, you know, I think it was 34 and 42 oh. that they did it, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. They matched the Patriots' records mm-hmm. of you know getting all the way to the Super Bowl and losing the Super Bowl. They both lost the Super Bowl those years. Well, Super Bowl of the time, yeah, yeah the, the, um, the NFL championship game. Yeah, yeah. but the set, but the seventy-two Dolphins won everything. So they, you know, they for what what they were at the time. You know, obviously, it did maybe it's a different era now. What the Dolphins in seventy-two were at the time, they were the best. You know, I, I, it's widely considered by the majority that the ba- 85 Bears are the best. The, these Dolphins at the time were the best, and they're still one of the best ever to do it, you know, at the time. Like you say, though, you can only beat who's in front of you. You don't decide who's in front of you. You just beat your opponents, and that's it. They did that every single time that year. So I think one of the best ever. Here, here's here's another thing. Um, yeah, 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 you're absolutely right, Dave. I agree with Everything you say, but we see when people say, "Oh well, you know, the teams of today would just destroy the teams of the seventies." Under what rules? Because I'll tell you this: if the twenty twenty two Kansas City Chiefs went back to the nineteen seventies and played the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
or the Dallas Cowboys in the 70s. Under 1970s rules, and they're getting mm-hmm. the crap beaten out of them. And there's no such thing as roughing the passer. There's no such thing as pass interference. There's no such thing as defensive holding. I mean, <laughs> sir, I think it might be slightly different. You can argue, yes, that, you know, they're faster. They've got better training these days and that. But it was a different era. But they all played the same rules in the 70s. Yeah. And they all played the same rules today. So until one team mm-hmm. goes undefeated and matches the Dolphins, then I don't want to hear about it. So, I think, if they just on that note, though, I think if the Dolphins of today played the 72 Dolphins, the only record that would be set is two as hospital bills. Because, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so, uh, no, because that offensive line could not protect him. We saw what happened to the poor guy last year, and, that, well, that, a, that, a record's a record. That Dolphins defense in 72, they, they, they were called the Killer Bees, I think it was. Uh, and they had a the big guy, was it Manny Ramirez? I think his name was. Big, he used to yeah. wrestle alligators in the swamps. In, I'm not making this up. Look it up. He wrestled alligators. And he would like go out on a boat into the, 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 mar- you know, the wetlands in Florida, find alligators and just grab them and wrestle with them. <laughs> Psychopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was um, a, oh, the safety, something Scott. What was his name now? Big Great. Scott. Big Scott. There you go. Amazing, amazing player. Amazing. Uh, didn't they retire not, his was number? He not, was he not MVP of that Super Bowl? I think he might have been. I think he was because he did, he had like two interceptions and a forced fumble or something like that. Yeah, I could be. Sorry, I'm going away off again. This is why our podcast lasts so. Long. I think we're, I think we're as bad as each other right now. So we're we're bad examples, no, Andrew, yeah. right now. Probably it? yeah. Uh, but anyway, regardless. <laughs> Dave, awesome random stat. Anything that mentions the 1972 Dolphins, I am 100% in on. Andrew. Same. <laughs> uh, you're our guest. So we're going to leave you to finish off the random stats. Please give us your random stat. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about brevity. This would be, this would be quick. Uh, I'm re- going to regale you a wee story about one of the most incredible days in NFL history. It's got a wee random stat at the end of it. December 16th, 1979, um, it was the last day of the regular season and the, the playoff picture was tight. But it was quite an incredible day. If you think, if, if you were talking about anyone who's as, maybe as synonymous as anybody is with the NFL, you'd maybe think of George Hallis. So obviously the founder of the Bears, he actually played for the Yankees. He made Major League Baseball, he just did all sorts, but obviously most well known for the Bears. Well... As he was getting older, he had made his son, George Hallis Jr., nicknamed Muggs, club president, with the intention being that Muggs would take over the team upon his father's death. Well, on December 16th, 1979, Muggs died of an alleged heart attack. I say alleged because there's some talk, potentially his body was exhumed years later, there were no organs found in his body, it's a whole, it, it, it's, it's an odd, odd tale. It is. But anyway, that, oh, go, fire on. No, I was just going to say that is a very odd tale. <laughs> odd tale, yeah. I think, I think his first wife was after money, I think. So she wanted to have him examined and he didn't have all of those. Anyway, obviously back in 1970, or it would have been in the 80s at that point, they didn't have the kind of stuff they had now. So nobody knew what happened. Nobody knows where the organs went. Anyway. So that's where the day began. Not the best day for the Bears. Um, and so final day of the regular season and they were in a really tight race in the NFC. 
At the time, the conference had three divisions with five teams each. Each division winner made it, and they were then two wild cards, so five teams in total. In the AFC West, the LA Rams had already clinched the title. They will be delighted to hear. Yeah, but they would be the only representatives from the division in the playoffs. In the AFC East, Washington, Dallas, and Philadelphia were all tied on 10-5. and 5. The Eagles and Cowboys were sure to make the playoffs, but both could have been could have ended up as wild cards. Eagles had to go to the playoff-bound Oilers, while Washington and Dallas met each other. All that separated Washington and Philadelphia was a single point in the point differential. So their division records were the same, conference records were the same, point differential. So they, if, if each won, the division would go to whichever team won by the larger margin. Finally, NFC Central, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Chicago Bears were tied at the top of the division, each with a 9-6 record. The Bucks had the divisional tiebreaker. They would win the division with a victory over Kansas City. If they lost, Chicago would take the division with a win over the St. Louis Cardinals and the Bucks would be eliminated entirely. If the Bucks won, Chicago had to fight for one of two wildcard slots and their only hope at that point would be to win and have Washington lose. Even then, because their records would also match, it would also come down to point differential and Washington had a 33-point advantage. It was an incredibly one day and the Bucks eked past the Chiefs by a score of 3-0. So they had the title <laughs> done. It was over. That was it. So the Bears could only make the playoffs with a win and a Washington, a Washington loss and a 33-point swing on incredibly wintry conditions where that game, the, the previous game had finished three zip. A tough ask considering the week prior, the Bears had put up 15 points and the only touchdown was courtesy of the defence. There was also the small matter of Walter Payton and his attempt to win a fourth straight AFC rushing title. That too would be no mean feat as he was 113 yards behind a rookie who played for the St. Louis Cardinals. Neosa, you mentioned him last week. Do you remember who he is? No. You mentioned your draft. Otis Anderson. Oh, you mentioned of course, him. Otis yeah, Anderson. Yeah, of course it was. So the Bears came out ultra-aggressive. The play calling included a double rush pass and both a fake punt and a fake field goal. Ultimately, though, Chicago leaned on Peyton and they were 21-0 up at the half, the defence completely shutting out the cards. Midway through the half, and Carl's running back Anderson left the game with a knee injury not to return. He first did it with 39 yards, meaning Peyton would require 153 rushing yards to steal away the rushing title. Two more fourth-quarter touchdowns, and with 6.20 left to play, the Bears were a 42-6 up. It overturned the point differential. Peyton was still 39 yards shy of Anderson, Chicago once again stopped the cards and they gave Sweetness the ball six times in the last nine plays twice a game. Peyton picked up 44 yards to secure the NFC rushing tackle by, from Anderson by five yards. Chicago's 36-point victory meant that they would make the playoffs with a Dallas win. If Washington won, Chicago's efforts would have been for naught. A Dallas win would make them division champs and the number one seed. A loss would give them the wildcard spot and the Bears would be out. Uh, Philly, who defeated the Oilers, would be the number one seed only if Washington won by five points or less. Otherwise, they would be fourth seed. A Washington win by at least six points would clinch the NFC East title and a, and a number one seed. A win by less than six points would grant them a wildcard slot to the expense of the Bears, and a loss would mean they would miss the playoffs entirely. So it all came down to a game between Washington and Dallas, two franchises that despised each other at the time. Washington raced into an early lead and found themselves 17-0 up early in the second. The Cowboys rode back, however, and by the end of the third quarter, three touchdowns in response had them 21-17 up. Washington were now in danger of missing the playoffs, yet they fought back. Two touchdowns from John Riggins following a Mark Mosey field goal, and Washington were now 13 points ahead. Cowboys fans started steaming out the stadium when Washington got the ball back in midfield with just over five minutes to play. The very next play, Washington's Riggins fumbled but was relieved when a teammate recovered the ball. 
A minute later, Clarence Harmon fumbled and this time Washington weren't as lucky. Dallas had the ball with 3.49 left. It took just 80 seconds for Roger Staubach to march down the field and reduce the deficit to 6. Washington were still the number one seed, however, and needed to hold on to secure it. Fortunately, they went three and out, and the ball was back in the hands of Sturbock with 60 yards and a touchdown to find. Once again, Dallas made their way down the field, and with just 39 seconds to go, Sturbock found his favourite receiver on the day, Tony Hills, from eight yards out, and after an extra point, the Cowboys were a point ahead. More on Hills later. Washington had just gone from being the number one seed to being out of the playoffs altogether. Could they salvage their season? They needed a converted touchdown to regain the number one seed and any score to get back in the playoffs. I mentioned the field goal kicker Mark Mosley earlier. Well, Mark Mosley, I don't know if you know, he is he was in 1982, so he was three years away from that, but in 1982, he became the only special team player in NFL history to win league MVP. Mm. A feedback I think we can safely say will not be replicated. No. So with such a good kicker, Washington just need to get someone near the 40 to have a chance. A pass interference call on a bomb from Joe Theismann gave Washington a first down of their own 49 with 9 seconds to go. An incomplete pass followed and there was 5 seconds left. With one timeout remaining, Theismann then completed a pass to Don Warren on the Cowboys 41 and turned to the referee to call a timeout and allow Mosley to try a 59-yard field goal. Theismann believed when he called timeout that there's 1 second on the clock. The referees huddled and after the discussion it was ruled that time had expired prior to the timeout and the game was over. On the day they lost their club president, Chicago had nabbed the final playoff spot by having a point differential four better than a Washington team that had fallen from the number one seed to be out to the playoffs in the last in the final 39 seconds of the season. Washington were crestfallen, not only with all, with all the circumstances, but the loss came to the bitter rivals. The intensity of the rivalry was on show when after the game, Cowboys defensive end Harvey Martin Harvey Martin opened the Washington lo- Washington locker room and threw a funeral wreath inside, signifying to the Washington players that their playoff hopes had just died. <laughs> a truly incredible day, and I have one final nugget to share with you. I mentioned Tony Hills earlier, the scorer of the winning touchdown. Well, he grabbed eight balls for 139 yards and that touchdown on the day. That 113 yards was just enough to put him over 1,000 yards for the year. But he wasn't the only cowboy to record 1,000 yards that season. Running back and future Hall of Famer Tony Dorsett rushed for over a thousand yards, while wide receiver and another Hall of Famer in Drew Pearson also eclipsed a thousand yards receiving. That meant that on December 16th, 1979, when all this happened, the Dallas Cowboys became the first team in NFL history to have a 1,000 yard rusher, 1,000 yard rusher, and two players with a 1,000 yard receive with 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. And that is my random stat. Ah, well done there, well done. That was a, what, what a, a bad day. That was, that was great. Do you know what that that sounds like? That entire day was like the the Bills Chiefs playoff game from two years yeah. ago. <laughs> Do you know the last mm-hmm. three minutes of that the, game? The full day. I, I I just saw we snippet about the thirty three point things. Oh, that made me research this and see, and then just the more I kept reading, the more incredible the story got. That's, this is incredible. Imagine you're the number one seed. And then you're out of the playoffs. <laughs> you're like, hang on a second. Yep. That's Madness. Bonkers. Yep. Absolutely bonkers. Dave, what do you think of that one? 
I'm speechless. He's speechless. <laughs> uh, what I, 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 I feel like my job on this podcast is seriously <laughs> under risk right now. This is, because not only was, did he say everything I was going to say in the entire deep dive, he's just completely annihilated any random stat I've ever pulled out the bag. So Not at all, Dave. That's the whole point of random not. stats. They're random. <laughs> They can't yeah. hear about anything. He's just he's out me. This is this is this is a dark day. He out randoms you. Fantastic. Oh, well, listen, uh, guys. Unfortunately, that is the end of the podcast. It's been a slightly longer one uh, because we're doing a deep dives. They are going to be slightly longer as we go on uh, for the next seven weeks. Because, guys, there's seven more of these, seven more of these episodes, and then we're into preseason. We're into actual kickoff preseason mm. games. So. It's all good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, uh, thank you very much, Dave. Thanks for coming along. Uh, Always a pleasure, buddy. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. We'll need to get you back on again. Absolutely, an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, gents. Uh, now, uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Of course, you can catch us on Twitter at the WinFL Show. You can also catch myself, Dave, Jake, Tim, Andrew. You're on Twitter. I am. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's uh, on Twitter again. How are you? So if anybody wants to noise him up about the Dolphins, feel free to do so. Uh, t- <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone who's been watching the, the short on YouTube as well. I really appreciate that. Uh, and for all your comments. Uh, and if you want to nominate a random stat, just hit us up and we will read it out and give you a shout out as well. Um, thank you very much once again, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Great. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks once again to everyone else at home. We'll catch you on next week's edition of the Winifel Show.